sell the seed and make the flowers For a couple of hours On a beautiful day Hey, welcome back to another episode of Not All at Once. I'm Jordan Guess. And I'm Kendall Y. We're a day early. It's Wednesday. What the heck? Yeah, when when are we actually going to drop this? I guess we need to drop it tomorrow. Yeah, we'll drop this on Thursday, November 3rd. So we're we're recording right now, November 2nd, 2.04 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So just so everyone knows the timestamp, anything we say changes. Obviously, there's a lot happening always so do you ever kendall here's a good question to start us off do you wish to go back to a time where news was not so abundant where we had <laughs> less news well ignorance is bliss and i always tell people i'd rather be not ignorant and unhappy than be <laughs> ignorant and blissful so so no Give me okay. all the give me all the news you got, baby. Lay it on me. I can take it. Okay. All right. There you go. I think I'm with you on that. Um, I think there is a lot of upside about knowing so many things that we don't talk about, but obviously there are some downsides. There's constant, there's just constant information flowing into our ears and eyes. So, but all right. So we've got a few things to talk about today. Um, first I want to, I want to start off with a little story, um, having to do with the housing market. Okay. Let's hear it. What's the story? So I'm sitting at a, you guys are going to love the name of this bar slash restaurant on Saturday. I was sitting at a bar restaurant called Joe's older than dirt. And I'm with my dad and brother just killing time before I had to go over and, oh, go ahead. I'm familiar with this establishment. It's in the great, yeah. uh, the great city of Louisville, Kentucky. Yep, that's where it's at. Oh yeah. So, anyways, I'm with my dad. I'm with my brother. We're just chatting, watching some football, and we have, uh, you know, a girl probably about my age who is serving us. And at some point, my dad at the end like mentioned that I was a CPA, and then this girl mentions to us that two weeks prior she was working at a mortgage broker and was essentially doing mortgage originations and had been, I think she was doing some mortgage originations and also was doing some admin work. Cause I know those are the origination size 1099 normally. But anyway, she got laid off and she was like, yeah, this is just my second week working as a server because um, pretty much mortgages have gone off of a cliff. And it segues quite nicely into um, we're supposed to get a rate hike, hike announcement today. Don't know if it's. Yeah, it's come through. I'm, I'm looking at it right now. So they did, basis points. they did go through with the So the Bloomberg headline is Fed hikes again by 75 basis points, hints at entering end phase. So it's pretty much per expectations, I think. I did see that next month, because I think they meet again next month in December, and I did see that the going theory is 50 basis points next month. Is that, is that what you're hearing out on the streets? I think that is right. I think you're right, yeah. Which would signal something like a pivot, at least going the opposite direction. Because what, this is our third 75 basis point hike, right? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, does the Fed funds rate even mean anything? I don't know. Skeptical. Yeah. Maybe yes, I'm with it you. definitely seems like the Fed funds rate is the current thing. Okay. Mm. I just want to say that. So if it's the current thing. It probably means that it doesn't mean very much. <laughs> <laughs> or that it's wrong. It's yeah. The current thing is normally the wrong perspective right or you're, I can you're looking in the wrong place oh answer. you're looking in the wrong place for sure i can tell you that uh, looking at the minute bitcoin chart bitcoin is up on the fomc meeting yeah too bad i don't own any bitcoin but that's good for those who do 
<laughs> okay. Well, and then I'm sure that um, I haven't. Uh, is is Jerome talking right now? Is he giving a press conference right now, or is that later? Or is that? I think the happened? way I think the way it works is like the first thirty minutes. They're like it's like um behind closed doors meeting, and then they publish those that transcript later, and then at two thirty, then he comes out to the podium. I think that's the way it works. Okay. But it's two ten right now for the listeners. I think I think we mentioned that, but it literally just dropped. So yeah. This is live. You heard it here first. Live reporting, yes. <laughs> okay, cool. So you don't think okay, so talk me through why you say that this is the new current thing. Um yeah, so I for example, I saw I saw Chamoth. Oh man, I love something like uh using Chamoth as a punching bag a little bit. Sorry to say to Chamoth, but I saw I saw a headline about Jamoth talking about the Fed funds rate, and I don't know. It just becomes like one of those. I mean, I do think that contrary to some of the highbrow analysis, inflation expectations do drive inflation to some degree. I think, for example, especially in the small business world, in the small business world, you have people that are that will try to front run price hikes in order to collect more alpha basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so you really want to, you want to establish a sort of cultural narrative that, you know, the leaders, whoever they are to the average person are, are fighting inflation are fighting it hard. And I can just tell that the, you know, most people, when they say like, well, or when they see that, when they hear that narrative, like, oh, the officials are fighting inflation, a lot of people will be like, well, how are they doing that, right? What are they doing to, to stop inflation? And then the answer is, Jerome Powell is hiking the federal funds rate. And then people, at that point, it's like sophisticated enough to where people aren't going to ask any more further questions, but they're going to just gonna like be like, okay, that's fine. Like, like that, sound, that sounds about right to me. Uh, so... So yeah, I think I think there's sort of this like uh, federal. They're using the federal funds right as a sort of MacGuffin to to develop this narrative that they are fighting inflation. Um, in fact, there there's a lot of like plumbing behind the scenes that I don't really fully understand. There's a reverse repo. There's money market funds. I th- my understanding for the people who do want to look further into it is right now liquidity in the market is actually increasing even though you see this headline narrative, which is that they're hiking rates and they're quantitative tightening, but liquidity has actually increased because um, you've had the commercial banks move a lot of bank deposits out of the, the reverse repo and they started doing things like buying stocks. So that's why you just, you know, 10 minutes ago, we got a 75 basis point hike and yet Bitcoin popped one or 2%. Um, mm-hmm. so, so yeah, like bring a full circle here. I see the, the, what the fed is doing is sort of like this, like current thing. Like it's like thing in the headlines, but actually what's going on in the plumbing is they actually are inc- increasing liquidity in this precise moment. These things move quickly and behind the scenes. So they could, they could, liquidity can move quickly, more, more quickly yeah. than after than the FOMC federal funds. Right. And then, you know, to the folks like Jeff Snyder, the Fed does not know what they're doing at all anyways. So I've been jumping back into the uh, Euro dollar university episodes. Um, Just an interesting contrarian take still in my, in my view, but. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Jeff, Jeff Snyder has a lot of really good points. Like um, I think that. I mean, I would be willing to bet that Jeff Snyder knows more about the banking sector than most people on FinTwit. Like even like the people who you and me follow, who we think are like know their shit. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Jeff Snyder is actually incredibly uh, plugged in to what's going on. Now, when he makes comments like the Fed doesn't know what they're doing. See, the problem with this stuff is that you venture into the space of politics and geopolitics and... So, you know, a guy who is like really good with the numbers or who understands the data 
Mm-hmm. Like, that can only take you so far in understanding geopolitical events because once you get into politics, you start diving into the realm of like human emotion and morality. And so, so yeah, I mean, it's a very complicated world out there. It is complicated, but I'm here to defend Jeff Snyder because I like Jeff Snyder. I'm glad he puts out work. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's talk about Twitter. Okay. Segway. <laughs> Segway. All right. So for those of you who follow um, just the news generally, you should have seen that Elon completed his deal last Friday. Was it last Friday or two Fridays ago? Two Fridays ago. Okay. Um, yeah, I told Kendall I'm always I'm always worried to bring up the uh, the Musk character in front of him. I don't want to I don't want to offend or <laughs> trigger anyone. Yeah. But um, yeah, the news right now that's kind of looking like it's hitting Twitter, spe- specifically Bitcoin Twitter, is this eight dollar a month that I think I first saw was twenty dollars a month. Um, proposed verification um, package pretty much that Twitter is going to start rolling out where uh, anybody can get the blue check mark and looks like a little list of a few other benefits for now $8 a month. And then, um, you know, I saw Sailor tweet out a couple other people, can we pay it in Satoshi's? Um, but then, Musk, it looked like memed a little bit today where he posted a picture of a Shiba Inu mm. in a Twitter shirt. Implying that potentially he would be accepting Shiba Inu for this $8 a month thing. But um, yeah, all you Bitcoiners need to pay attention. Okay, I don't know. Don't put Musk on a pedestal. He will let you down. I'm, I can guarantee it um live by the musk die by the musk yeah oh my gosh dude okay there's so much to talk about here (laughs) like okay let's start out with the cultural stuff i think i want to talk a lot about social media just in general because i have a Mm -hmm. lot of uh opinions on social media it's regardless of musk or anybody involved i just want to talk about that too but first let's talk about the culture i actually i think I'm starting to view Elon Musk in a similar light as I view Kanye West. And um, I, hmm. the, some people in life really let, you know, like the opinions of other people or the expectations of other people really drive their decision-making. Right. So it's like, what do you guys expect of me? What do you want of me? I'm going to do kind of what you want to do. Other people will, you know, not do that, right? They'll be like, you know, I'm going to do whatever I want to do. And of course the world's in black and white, the good of, uh, or the line of good and evil runs through the heart of every man. It's the same thing here. Some people, you know, the reality situation is sometimes you make decisions based off of your own internal motivations. Sometimes you make decisions based off of your, you know, like external motivations. Um, when I look at a character like Kanye West, I see a person who has been totally overwhelmed by the opinions and expectations of the mob, you know, like the external, it's almost like they lose a sense of agency, individual agency. And um, I see a similar dynamic playing out with Elon Musk. Um, So I think it's, yeah, I don't like commenting on culture very much, but I, I think that that is, I can empathize with that. I can sympathize with that. Everybody is is the product of their own experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, but whenever you're, you're analyzing these situations, I think it's important to understand, uh, you know, like what are these people's incentives? That's that's usually the the biggest factor. Um, the thing is, oh my gosh, did you read the piece from The Verge, Nilay Patel on The Verge about Elon Musk? Um, no, dude. Okay, so there's a piece called Welcome to Hell. Um, Welcome to Hell, Elon. (laughs) And I think it just resonates so deeply with me. I don't think Elon has any idea what he just got himself into with with buying Twitter. I mean, the the court of public opinions is 
probably the most challenging place to be in the entire world. I, I had a tweet, which was like, I le- I legitimately think it's more, def- or it's like easier to build a rocket that lands itself than to like moderate global speech patterns. Mm-hmm. And like, here's the naive, here's the naive opinion that I see on all over Twitter right now. It's like, oh, this is about freedom of speech. We want freedom of speech. Um, you know, it's really simple. Just don't censor anything. Don't moderate anything. Um, I, I don't think it's that simple. Like, I think that, I think that you could argue that this generation of social media, which includes Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, content moderation is literally the product. That is the thing that, 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 that platform is, is a content moderation engine. So you can't just say, you know, we don't want, we don't want any, any speech censored. Like the value of these platforms is to recommend things it's to find things it's a discovery platform is what it is and in order to have that you have to you have to have some sort of like content moderation policy so okay i don't know i mean i think that he's in for a world of pain that's what i think well i had to laugh i i hopefully it didn't come across like i was laughing at what you're saying um or if you could even hear um i just went to elon's twitter profile is the location do you know his location right now hell oh that's good i'm looking at it right now oh he knows he knows he's in hell he's in hell currently right now uh he used to be chief twit now he is twitter complaint hotline operator (laughs) oh man I just the reason I came here originally was, and it's going to be difficult to find it, I'm sure, because he tweets so freaking much. But I was looking for that statement that he put out, like the Thursday or Friday, where he essentially uh, moderated. Here it was October twenty seventh. Um, let me see. Maybe I'll just read this. I'm going to read this. I think that it's it's worthwhile. So. I wanted to reach out personally. This is, uh, he says, dear Twitter advertisers, I want to reach out personally to share my motivation in acquiring Twitter. There has been much speculation about why I bought Twitter and what I think about advertising. Most of it has been wrong. The reason I acquired Twitter is because it is important to the future of civilization to have a common digital town square where a wide range of beliefs can be debated in a healthy manner without resorting to violence. There's currently- Grift, 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 grift. keep going. Keep going. There's currently great danger that social media will splinter into far right-wing and far left-wing echo chambers that generate more hate and divide in our society. In the relentless pursuit of clicks, much of traditional media has fueled and catered to those polarized extremes as they believe that is what brings in the money. But in doing so, the opportunity for dialogue is lost. That is why I bought Twitter. I didn't do it because it would be easy. I didn't do it to make more money. I did it to try to help humanity, whom I love. I do so with humility, recognizing that failure failure in pursuing the goal, despite our best efforts, is a very real possibility. That said, Twitter obviously cannot become a free-for-all hellscape where anything can be said with no consequences. In addition to oh, adhering sounds like, to sounds the like laws cen- of the Sounds land, like censorship to me. Keep going. <laughs> in addition to adhering to the laws of the land, our platform must be warm and welcoming to all, where you can choose your desired experience according to your preferences, just as you can choose, for example, to see movies or play video games ranging from all ages to mature. I also very much believe that advertising when done right can delight, entertain, and inform you. It can show you a service or product or medical treatment that you never knew existed but is right for you. For this to be true, it is essential to show Twitter users advertising that is as relevant as possible to their needs. Low relevancy ads are spam, but highly highly relevant ads are actually content fundamentally twitter aspires to be the most respected advertising platform in the world that strengthens your brand throws your enterprise to everyone who's partnered with us i thank you let's build something extraordinary together so that was okay. his can that i was i think that was the day that he bought it that was like the day he closed yeah i, I think it actually maybe was last friday okay um so i want to respond to this to a couple of things here so the first thing he says this is classic elon elon has been doing this for decades okay let me tell you what Elon Musk is. Elon Musk is really good at finding capital investors. That is Elon Musk's specialty. Elon Musk's biggest product to the world is one thing. 
dollar sign TSLA. It's the Tesla stock. That's his product to the world. Okay. I'm being very cynical here. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I feel like oh, it's one, one side comment. I feel I, like we should bring him in. Like, do you want me to add him to the call? Yeah. Let's, let's, let's get the man. <laughs> let's get the man in here. Um, I do feel like I have, there, there's like a, you know, like the Trump derangement syndrome from like a few years back. I feel like yeah. I got a little bit of that going on right now. So I fully, yeah. rec I'm full, fully aware of that, but I'm going to keep going. Okay. okay. So this is classic Elon. The reason I acquire Twitter is because it's important to the future of civilization. Bullshit. Bullshit. This is the same, this is the same guy who says for years, you know, like the point of Tesla is to accelerate the world's, uh, you know, adoption of uh, sustainable energy patterns. I don't know if you've run the numbers, but battery electric vehicles are not, you know, like they're not the solution to the, the sustainable future. Okay. This is the same guy who says, you know, like the reason why we're building SpaceX is to have a, you know, to extend the light of human consciousness. He creates these like, <laughs> again, Trump derangement syndrome. I'm sorry. He creates these like, uh, these like romantic sales pitches where he's like, I'm doing this for, it's almost like an Ubermensch mentality where he's like trying to save the world. I'm here to save you all. And I just call total grifter bullshit on that. That's not what this is about. Okay. Let me give you the, the sort of very cynical perspective on why this, why this decision went through. This is a move from Silicon Valley against the New York times. Uh, maybe Maybe you would include Wall Street Journal in that too. What what these Silicon Valley tech bros want? <laughs> oh my god! Listen to myself. This is ridiculous. That what they want is a media platform. They want an ability to. Okay, so I I, I need to be more sympathetic. I'm sorry. I'm like on a on a rampage here, but the the media has been really really unfair to 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 Elon Musk historically, right? So like roughly from the years 2010 to 2016, somewhere in that range, Tesla was constantly getting berated in Bloomberg and New York Times and like a lot of questionable uh, journalistic content was being produced in that time. So I understand why Elon is very bitter about like the media, the mainstream media. Now, I would say that the last two or three years, he has the the media is on his side. Like the entire ESG movement is, he is the golden child of ESG. Um, so again, I think this is- Unless it's the White House having an ESG event where they don't even mention Tesla. That, that is, probably, that might've been after a pivot of like, now well, we don't like Tesla. No, that's, that's the White House. I'm commenting specifically on like media. The media. The media. Okay. Um, so, so again, I think that this is self-destructive, but my point is, is that I'm sympathetic for him wanting to own a media outlet because he wants to protect Tesla and SpaceX. So no, no law, you know, gone are the days where the public discourse can basically blatantly lie about his companies. That's good. Good for him. Whatever. It's a free market. He can do, he can do those types of things, but I just want to be clear this whole, like it's important, the future of civilization. I think it's a total grift and, um, and yeah, like, yeah. To be fair to him, that is to the Twitter advertisers because what is happening here is like people people in the media like that they control the narrative and they were having quite a nice, easy time controlling the narrative um, post-2018. Like if you go listen to like what Jack Dorsey and what um, Zuck, Zuckerberg were saying about free speech on social media platforms in 2018 versus what they were saying you know 2019 and and after is a lot different story so i think i think he's just trying to say to advertisers hey don't boycott our don't boycott this platform because i'm not going to just like let people run rampant and say whatever comes to their mind mm -hmm. there will be moderation um i think he's trying to adhere closer to like the letter of the actual constitution you know in terms of like hate speech is not outlawed by the by the first amendment hate speech is allowed um and the reason for that is hate speech is such a broad term and what people started to do was say things that they just disagreed with they termed it 
hate speech. I think that was a big thing. People getting banned on Twitter for just saying things that, you know, five years ago was fine to say. And I think it's very heavily weighted to one side of the political, you know, aisle, even though there's arguments to be made that, you know, on Facebook, it's more right wing dominant, but on Twitter, I would say it's more left wing dominant. Um, so I think he's just trying to balance it out. Now, my last point that I'll make real fast is that this is nothing new. You know, Michael Bloomberg owns Bloomberg. Um, Bezos owns the Washington Post. Suck. Mm-hmm. Totally. Facebook. So I think I'm totally the, okay with all of that. But it's it's the fact that Elon doesn't doesn't get right in line and pretty much say we are going to moderate content exactly how certain people want us to and whether that's covid vaccines or whether that's um election stuff like all that it seems like everything for the past two or three years has skewed to one side you know what i'm saying like essentially if if someone totally. says something that's more right-wing they're more likely to get the boot for no real clear reason versus a lot of other things are allowed for example, you know, jihadist terrorists, yeah, leaders of those organizations are able to have Twitter accounts. So, so okay, I'm glad that I, that you're here. You can you're grounding me. This is good. I am totally on board with like the absolute chaos that comes about from like very extreme left wing people being in control of media outlets. Uh, that is not good, and I'm all for people trying to trying to fix that um the truth is i really like elon musk i've you know i i look up to him a lot i think a lot of my perspective here is that i feel for him i'm trying it's like i'm like man you got something really good here and i think that you're kind of ruining it it's like why does elon musk feel compelled to be the pro the person to solve this problem right like well, just, someone had to step in with $44 billion, or at least carrying some of that with cash, stock, debt. I mean, not anybody could just step into that role, right? Yeah. I mean, I would say that Twitter, while sure, it was led by people that were more left-leaning and all blah, 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 that it wasn't like, I mean... I get I get a lot of value from Twitter today, so mm-hmm. it's hard. It's a hard for me to understand that it's like some current hellscape that's terrible for, for humanity. Um, it works very yeah. well, well for me. Yeah, no, I just think that it's well. What's so curious is that is when he tried to walk it back, when he did it, and then he's like, "Oh shit, See, I don't think I should have done this." Yeah, that, and that then was he was the thing. forced. I totally, I'm with him. Yeah, I'm not being sympathetic enough i apologize once he committed to it he had to do it he had to go full commit so i'm on board with all that but it all spanned from like a twitter poll right yes uh (laughs) i want to okay i want to read the first two paragraphs of this verge article okay Okay. twitter is a disaster clown car company wait read the first sentence (laughs) okay all right you fucked up real good kiddo (laughs) Twitter is a disaster clown car company that is successful despite itself. And there is no possible way to grow users and revenue without making a series of enormous compromises that will ultimately destroy your reputation and possibly cause grievous damage to your other companies. I mean, okay, that was just the first paragraph. That is that is on point. I, I want to reiterate one point. Um it's a company that is successful despite itself. That is very interesting. Okay. And I lay that at the feet of Jack Dorsey. Okay. I'm going to come back to that. Here's the second paragraph. I can, I say this with utter, utter confidence because the problems with Twitter are not engineering problems. They are political problems. Twitter, the company makes very little interesting technology. The tech stack is not a valuable asset. The asset is the user base hopelessly addicted politicians, reporters, celebrities, and other people who should know better but keep posting in a way anyway. You, 
you, Elon Musk, are addicted to Twitter. You are the asset. You just bought yourself for $44 billion. Um, I, I mean, I think this all resonates very deeply with, deeply with me. What's really interesting is that first that first sentence, not the, really the first one, but the, it's a company that's successful despite itself. <clears throat> I, I think that there, that should stand out to people as like, well, hold on, what's going on here? It's really weird to all of us that we all want to sit around and complain about how terrible Twitter is on Twitter. Why? I don't, this is weird to me. Like, I understand there's a bot problem. They should fix the bot problem. They do have technical problems. I'm sure that they have way too many employees. So I'm, I'm all cool with him being like this sort of like autocratic leader who's coming and firing everybody. That, I got no problem with any of that stuff. Okay. You can do all that. Um, but so this, so I want to segue into like some of the things that, he, that he's proposing, right? Um, like he's, so he's proposing the $8 a month to verify yourself and you get other things too. In fact, maybe I should just follow, find the, the exact tweet. Um, okay, let's read this. Oh, wait, did he delete it? Twitter's current lords and peasant systems for who has or doesn't have a blue check mark is, is bullshit. Power to the people, blue for $8 a month. Price adjusted by country proportionate to purchasing power, power parity. You will also get Priority and replies, mentions and search, which is essential to defeat spam scam. I call bullshit on that. Okay. Ability to post long video and audio, half as many ads. And paywall bypass free publishers willing to work with us. This will also give Twitter revenue stream to reward content creators. Also terrible. I'll come back to that. There's a secondary tag below the name for someone who's a public figure, which is already the case for, for politicians. Okay. So... um. Twitter, I, I just think I'm going to keep coming back to this. Twitter works very well right now, the way it works for me. And mm -hmm. I understand there's a bot problem. Look, they should solve the bot problem. If they solved the bot problem two years ago, I bet Elon Musk never buys Twitter. Okay. Mm -hmm. So they're, they're idiots. Or overpays for it. <laughs> yeah. And they overpays for it. Um, so. What, okay. From my but, perspective, this yeah. is great. Okay. I think that this is a step in the correct direction. Obviously, to his point in that in that you know uh, letter to the advertisers, it's not going to be pretty, and everyone is that. This is just how everything works. You'd say anything. It used to be like fifty percent of people would scream at you and like call you an awful person. Now it's like you say anything, and it's probably like closer to seventy percent of people just hate you and. Like no one can agree on anything, right? And I think a lot of it has to do with trust being lost in in social media platforms and the news in general. And essentially like, I mean, just, I hate to sound like the right wing guy, but it's, it, there's a lot of, there's a lot of examples. The one that comes to mind to me, the quickest is the Hunter Biden laptop story that Twitter, mm, right? that they specifically um targeted did not allow to be said right a month out from the election uh but then later the new york times would write an article be like yeah this is actually this wasn't Rus russian propaganda like we thought at first and it just all it seems and again i'm in obviously i have my own biases my own like blind spots but it seems like definitely i'll say the majority of censorship um of like reasonable ideas or reasonable stories that at least should have some um, honest fact checking and some debate about were just quashed so that certain people could get pushed through across the finish line politically. So I, I feel like there's um, obviously give me some time. I could find a lot more examples. That's just one that comes to mind. Jordan Peterson being taken off this year of Twitter. Um, so all that's, and, and essentially just like joking, certain forms of joking being, um, being outlawed, but obviously you can't say anything, you know, I don't want to log on to a platform where people are, it's like 4chan, you know, where people are posting like heinous videos of people being murdered or right. people saying the N word just 
like creating bots that just say the n-word over and over and over again like no that nobody wants that experience in the same way you like if someone was acting like that at a party you would leave the party you know um but if you're at like a party where people are having a tasteful debate about whatever subject then you're like this is interesting maybe i'll just sit here and listen or maybe i'll i'll contribute so I definitely think this is a step in the right direction, but I, okay. but I will be curious to see how it actually plays out. And I think making yeah. people pay for the service is the right direction also. Um, just generally sticking to like the value for value thing. Yeah. If you Kindle get value from Twitter, you shouldn't, you shouldn't get it for free. And then maybe they don't harvest your data or maybe they, you know, you get less ads, things like that. Yeah. So again, I definitely have like this like Trump derangement syndrome going on. So I fully, fully acknowledge that. Um, I, I want to, this is like me trying to speak highly of Ethereum. Like it's very difficult for me to do it at an emotional level. <laughs> I, I totally sympathize with um, a lot of things that Elon Musk is saying. And I actually agree with you that I think that these are things in the, in the right direction. And perhaps that is the pragmatic solution. That is the pragmatic reality is we have to just one little step at a time. Like we got to make the discourse better one little step at a time. Maybe that'll work. Um, so he's, th he's saying things like he wants Twitter to be a sort of platform, the best platform for truth on the planet. He's saying that he, you know, like his sales pitch, he thinks it's important for the future of civilization. All these things good things i agree with them i agree with the message now my concern is that he is way over his skis and in and public discourse like this is not something that can be solved in the same way that you build a car or you build a rocket mm -hmm. it's not the same it's not the same problem set you can't just like incrementally try things out and then you know oh that didn't work we'll do something else you it there's there's a reason why lawyers get paid so much money you know i hate to say it <laughs> but uh because because like policing the 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 universe of speech is is like extremely difficult and the reason why it's difficult is because it is not deterministic it is totally preferential and subjective based on every individual's perceptions and what may be true in Elon Musk's perception may not be true for the president of Brazil. Okay. Um, so, and like, by the way, um, you know, Twitter, you know, Elon Musk is now in the business of fighting governments. Like I, that's, there's no other way to put it. That is the, that's the battle he has chosen is like let's go fight governments and look someone had to do it i i applaud it i think it's you know i think someone did have to do it i totally agree maybe the guy building the coolest rockets on the planets wasn't that guy in my opinion but i agree like i think that it is i think that it is important yeah yeah i mean the, the interesting thing about twitter is it's such a small subset of society you know, it's really just like intellectuals just going at it with That's, each other, right? I totally agree. Most of most of at least Western culture, I think, originates on Twitter. I I, <laughs> I genuinely believe that. Now that would be debatable, and maybe Kendall's just like projecting his own value systems, sure. But I, that is my that's my opinion, and so understanding that is really useful in understanding the future of Twitter. What Elon Musk paid for. You know, in my opinion, that is like one of the most valuable assets on the planet. Having that network of intellectuals where everything, all culture is, is downstream from this, this asset, that is insanely valuable. In fact, it's way more valuable than $44 billion. Mm -hmm. here's, here's the kicker. You ready? Why do those people have to stay on Twitter? They can go anywhere. Okay. Build a second platform, call it bitter, call it chitter. I don't care. They can go anywhere. There is no network effect that there's no network effect moat. That's, that's, that's the problem with, with like this business model 
is that it mistakens that, that the existing network effect is sufficiently sticky and people will never leave the platform because people think Twitter and they think, you know, intellectual culture or whatever. And that's just not true in my opinion. Like if you look at the meta stock, which is down like 80% this year, there's your proof. Okay. That, that, that just does not hold well. Um, so, and, and by the way, that's the most critical crowd on the planet. That's the hardest crowd to please on the planet. So good luck. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, no, that's good. I mean, I think to your point about where do people go if they don't want, it's, it's almost like, do you remember when people were like, if Trump gets elected, I'm moving to Canada. Yes. And it's like, no, you're not. There's not good. There's great memes on that. Okay. I love it. This is great. <laughs> this is great. But um, I think, I think that for most people, um, everyone's just going to have to realize that we just have to get along um, or, or you can mute people. So you can block people, I but wanna... essentially you're going to have to live with these people to a degree. And I think just lining it up more closely with what already happens in the first amendment and what already happens with things that are said about people on the news or something like that, just, just adhere to those rules that are already set in stone. So uh, I agree with that. I do want to hone in on the, the Canada comment. Great meme, by the way. Great meme. Um, I tried the, to move to Canada and then COVID happened. The, uh, <laughs> the, um, shoot, what was I going to say? The, the difference here. Um, so the, I don't see a future, you know, I'm like sort of doom and gloom here. I don't see a, a, a potential future where it's like, oh, Twitter is ruined. No, we're, we're believing Twitter. This is, we're done with this. The way this works is you just have a, it's like um, the, the quality of the discourse uh, decreases ever so gradually that mm -hmm. in two or three years time now, we're going to be like, God, why are we ever on Twitter? And so we'll just sort of like naturally be the, when I say we, <laughs> sorry, like that intellectual crowd that's on Twitter that sort of lives upstream. They, there is no, my, my, my point is that there is no defining moment where they're like, you know, Elon Musk bought Twitter. I'm moving to truth social or whatever. Right. There's, there's no moment like I that. I knew that's where you would go. It's death by a thousand cuts. Like they just, the, the quality of discourse just gradually goes down. Um, yeah. Elon just tweeted four minutes ago. Twitter is simply the most interesting place on the internet. That's why you're reading this tweet right now. It's true. We'll see if, we'll see if that holds. We'll see if it holds. I, yeah, I think the opposite, like, just take the opposite of what you just said. We could live in, we could live in a world where it's similar to Fountain and you're able to stream Satoshis to people for good ideas instantly over the Lightning Network. You're not spammed by people. You're not, nobody reaches out to you in the DMs anymore and pretends to be somebody who's quasi famous promising you things and getting, you know, one to 2% of the people to send them whatever. I think that is where it could go. Um, obviously they've got, a, they've got to hit several goals and get probably lucky, pretty lucky to make that happen. But I, I definitely think Elon is, I'm much happier that Elon's in charge of it than I am of really anybody else. Like the fact that he mm -hmm. came in on whenever it was fired Prague and the CFO and the chief of legal who just got ripped to shreds on Joe Rogan. Um, I I'm just, I'm glad that those people are gone. I, I just don't, I don't trust those people. And it's always, it's all, it's always a matter of like, who's in control, right? This is all just a power game. And so I think he's got to very quickly try to, relinquish the power that he's been given in certain ways. And I know he's talked about the council, the moderation council, that's like bipartisan. We'll see how that goes, but there's no, there's no correct or easy way to do this. Yeah, there's no, I just know that it was, it, the pendulum was way too far to one side and, and I'm sure now it will swing too far the other way for a bit, but I hope that we can find like an equilibrium of acceptable speech really good back and forth even if it gets heated i'm fine with that obviously we just don't want people who are like 
spamming people, you know, calling them names and like relentlessly chiding people, right? Mm -hmm. You you want to live in a world where it's like we can <clears throat> debate really serious topics and do it respectfully, which <laughs> yeah, I know that's a very high bar, maybe. Yeah. Maybe even just doing <laughs> easier said than done. Uh it's like a Thanksgiving dinner every morning and every evening on Twitter. <laughs> yes. But yeah. your family members are like 10x as bad. That's why it's like hell. Um the uh the the I want to comment on the 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 eight dollars a month for verification. I don't think that I think that verification in this capacity is not something that should be paid for. I think that the pre the existing model, the previous model at least, where you have a third party that provides the verification, which in that scenario was Twitter. That is the optimal solution. You don't want people to just be able to pay for it. Um, verification is not something that is claimed. It's something that is given by a trusted third party. Um, now, I'm not saying that the old Twitter verification process was perfect. Very far from it. Again, the Twitter tech was terrible. They could have done a lot better job. But when I think about the incentive system, of paying for the blue check mark versus being uh, like granted it or given it or I you know frankly I think I should have a blue check mark because I'm a real human who like actively participates to the the discourse on Twitter I'm not like super I'm not like a popular public figure but I am somebody who like my opinion of that blue check mark is like when you see it that means that a trusted third party has audited this 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 account they know it's a real person. They know it's a person who is not violating any rules. They're playing by the rules. They're they're participating in the communities. That's what I want to know. I don't want to know, can they pay $8 a month? That means nothing to me. If I'm a new user and I see a blue check mark now, all I know is that person paid eight bucks a month. Congratulations. That means nothing to me. That doesn't give me any value. Yeah, it might be though that they also take you through a verification process and also monitor your behavior because I think the verification thing essentially turned into, if you're one of our buddies, we're going to give you the blue check. Yeah. To I if, totally you if you piss us off, it's gone. Yeah. And you're off the platform. Totally agree. Yeah. That, that was not the right way to do it either, but I don't think the $8 a month has anything to do with it. I think that it's something that you can, you know, you ought to get it for free. Um, if, if they're monetizing the platform through advertising, you ought to be able to request it and prove mm -hmm. that, Prove that you are a real person that is not violating the rules, that is participating. What if you want to be anonymous on Twitter? No, you can do it pseudonymous. I don't. I don't think you have to be like a give them your government identification. You you should be able to. I think so. Think about it from a, a person who's just joining Twitter, a new, a brand new user. Mm -hmm. They see all these accounts. They see all this discourse. Some of it's a lot of it's garbage, but then they see some of these accounts have check marks and they're like oh there's like a heuristic here in my brain that i'm developing like the check marks are kind of like the people who are constructively contributing to to the discourse that, that that's those are like that's the heuristic that you want to build for users that this account is constructively contributing to the discourse mm. uh, but if you it almost turn it into like a game yeah sure almost like different badges yeah. If you've tweeted, if you've tweeted something positive every day for the last ninety days, you get a you get a positivity badge. The you know, uh, the difference different is, things that say things about you. Yeah, the difference is if I see a person with a blue check mark today or in the past, I knew that there was a trusted third party somewhere that identified that account and were like, "You deserve a blue check mark." Now going forward, when I see a blue check mark, all I know is that that person can afford eight dollars a month. That means that just has way less value to me than having a trusted third party support that account. Now you can say that, yeah, like maybe they should do eight dollars a month plus the verification plus all these other things I'm saying. But I disagree. I mean, if they're monetizing through the platform, then it should be free. Like I don't think that that's like a badge of. It's a badge that you can afford. It's a pay to it's a pay to win, you know. Like in video games, you can like pay, you know, you can buy bundles or whatever of new in-game items or whatever, which give you an edge. That mm -hmm. totally destroys the game. It's like that's a proof of stake system. 
FYI, that's not a proof of work. It's like, you're not, you're not proving anything. You're just, you're just paying for it. Um, that I'm not saying that they're okay. To be clear, I'm totally cool with Twitter, like monetizing their platform somehow by, by having users pay subscription fees or something like that. All I'm saying is that the blue check mark is not a part of that. I don't think blue check mark should be a part of that. Yeah. I mean, it definitely, I think would help with the bot problem. And I mean, maybe it's a, just a deposit that you got to put up or that you'd get, uh, you'd get that back. I think we've talked about that in the past. I don't know if yeah. on air, like I saw essentially you lock up some funds and if you, if you misbehave, they yeah, take that. They take it. Yeah. Um, I apologize. I've been interrupting throughout this, but I, but I, uh, very passionate about this topic. The, um, the, I saw like a good, a good argument. Oh, it's by McCormick, Peter McCormick. And he was like, well, there's no reason, there's no reason to make it a subscription, just make it a one-time fee. And I, I can get on board with that. Cause you're, you're requesting labor from Twitter to review, mm-hmm. to review your process or whatever. That's fine. Make it a one-time fee, 20 bucks. And then you got your blue check mark forever. Yeah, their only their only pushback I know will be Twitter's pushback will be well everyone else is on a subscription plan, like everything else today. So we want the recurring revenue because I think I heard that their interest expense alone is going to be a billion. <laughs> so they've got <laughs> yeah they've so. got to come up. I mean, just from a pure financial standpoint, they've got to do some some different things on raising revenue. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think they could turn into like a quasi bank where you have to always, you always have to have a, I don't know what the number is. Let's just say a hundred dollars. You always be, have to have a hundred dollars put up to be able to view slash interact with people on Twitter. If your, if your account goes below that because you withdrew some or because you misbehaved, you have to get that money back up there. And then, I don't know, maybe they turn into like a bank where they're rehypothecating some of that money and um, you know what I'm saying? Like using some of that money to make more money mm-hmm. while it's sitting in people's deposit accounts. Um that might be interesting. Um those are all so, interesting those are all interesting ideas, but my my shtick is that I think the reason why I'm so passionate about this is because Twitter really has played a pivotal role in in my life over the past few years. And the reason is that I think that I have found a community of people that are incredibly high signal. And um, I've learned a lot from these people strictly through Twitter. And I see every action under the sun being a negative feature for for that specifically. Um, now, will it grow the platform? Will it, will it do better financially? Sure. You know, maybe maybe the politics gets better, yeah. But um, but my the community that I have developed, I think, only serves to to lose from this. Um, and one other thing too is that I understand that there's this is sort of a right right leaning coalition here that's coming. You know, Twitter we could say confidently was more left leaning prior to this. Now under the under the the rule, the reign of Elon Musk, you have sort of a swinging back to to the right. I I think that in all likelihood it swings too far, right? And you don't want that either. That's actually that again in my eyes for my community is a, is a negative feature. Because here's the thing, I may not agree with a lot of the you know pretty extreme left views that they get promoted on Twitter, but I want them to be there because it is a valuable part of the discourse for, for the overall discourse. And if, if those people start leaving, then, then the overall quality of the discourse will decrease. So, so yeah, I'm just, obviously I'm concerned. Yeah. No, I'm with you. No, definitely. We, we definitely don't want it to turn into just like one, like an echo chamber of different ideas. It needs to be free flowing thought. So yeah, I think it's really just going to be a time will tell. The only other comment I would say is um, I used to be very much, much more involved in political Twitter than I am today. I had to walk away from it like 20, probably 2020. And thank God I did. 
because political Twitter is an actual hellscape. Yeah. Um, well, versus here's my, Bitcoin here's, Twitter and financial Twitter is a lot better. Business Twitter, you know. I dude. Well, I, you know, my opinion is that political Twitter is about to take over. That's my opinion. Yeah. That's that's like that's the problem. By the way, one other one other thing I've been thinking about recently is um I I'm clearly me and you both are very obsessed like very um focused on financial markets day to day and I think I honestly think that the reason for that is that if you want to know the objective news the news that isn't political then you have to understand financial markets because money speaks the loudest and once again I am concerned that what's going on here is sort of the politicization of Twitter I can see that. Yeah. It's, it's very, it's very difficult. It's like, I don't, in a, you know, I think Dorsey has a lot of regrets now. I think he, if he could go back, he would not have designed Twitter as a company. He would have designed it as a protocol. Yeah. And the problem is we are, <laughs> we're too far gone now. Um, <laughs> it's like when God created Adam and Eve and then, they ate the fruit, right? And he's like, mm. oh, dang, I should have done it a different way. The forbidden right? fruit. You got to learn. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a, it's, it serves as a, as a learning experience. I do think that the, I think that like picture 20 years from now, right? Imagine mm -hmm. 20 years ago today, the, the online discourse was way different than it is today. So let's, let's go 20 years into the future from, from now. I think that you can't monetize this thing whatsoever. I think it has to be, you know, I don't mean to to go there, but I think this has to be a government run thing. I think that the same way that governments build roads and also governments have sort of like de facto governments sort of de facto also own the internet backbone, like the, the networking. I know there's like telecom companies and there's private companies within there that have jurisdiction, but if push comes to shove, the government's own the wires okay the government's on the wires just like the government's on the roads and i think that social media specifically is sort of like the the first the first stake in the ground that the government is going to claim in the virtual world right i think they're going to say this is ours and we run this now and i think that that is the only way to do it actually the only way to do it correctly and i know that that's doesn't sound right and there's like oh man the state's going to be censoring our stuff and blah 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 i think that you have to build it such that everything's following the rules and blah 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 but uh but that's yeah following the rules that some government body set well i mean that's what the left that's what the left has tried to do up to this point and now we'll see if the right tries to do it as well um it's just difficult I, I just, don't, yeah, I don't think that the I is... do like the exercise to try to think. I mean, based on history, I would say you're right. You're, you're onto something because governments have always liked to try to control what people say, but well, that seems to me like a post first amendment world. That's not what I'm proposing though. Like to be clear, I think that the same way that I can go out into the park today and say, whatever I want and I can have whatever conversation I want and the government's not going to stop me. I can, I, you should be able to do, to do that same thing virtually. Um, now I want to be very clear. I don't think that in order to do that, you have to have an electorate, like a democratic electorate that is sufficiently capable of living in that world. And I don't think we live, we don't, I don't think we have that electorate today. Yeah. Now I think that in the, I think we're we're getting there though. Where do you see this falling in? I'm gonna ask you two part question. Do you okay. see a solution with in terms of virtual communication that could operate similar to how Bitcoin's network operates? That's the first question of just like different addresses sending information to to other addresses, broadcasting messages out to people you know, uncensorable by third parties, no trusted, no trusted uh, third party in the middle. That's the first question. And then 
The other is how do you see decentralized identities fitting into this conversation? Okay, so decentralized identities first, I think, is probably the most likely solution to to the way this works out. But I guess like the the weird thing about this like sort of open source software development is that it moves very slowly and it's very much out of the out of the headlines. But so I want to say something about your first question, which is, is there a way to build a network where sort of like with akin to Bitcoin, how you can, it's like sort of uncensorable and blah, blah, blah. That, so encryption, there's sort of like this like deeply, deeply philosophical truth here and call it religious even, or call it whatever you want, um, or gigabrain, cosmic brain, that encryption is um and this is the this is the this is basically the under underarching or overarching theme of the sovereign individual is that encryption is this massive mega geopolitical force that empowers the individual i can encrypt a thing today on my local machine send it to you you have to decrypt it and nobody in the middle could could identify that so so the answer to your first question is that that technology all already exists today. The um, but there's there's a lot of like incentive systems that have to propagate in order for or to be built in order for those systems to to sufficiently propagate, um, right? So yeah, so that, that's the weird thing about encryption though that I really want to highlight is like there's something deeply philosophical about encryption that is empowering to the individual. And it's almost like, it's almost like once humans learned how to develop nuclear warheads, the world was forever changed. There was no going back to not having nuclear warheads. Now we know how to do nuclear warheads and the world is forever changed for that reason. It's the same thing with encryption. Once we figured out that encryption was something that was real and it exists in the universe, there is no going back to a world where you can censor like this is the this is a this is like a fundamental force this is like the sort of religious component of this or like gigabrain component this is like a fundamental force of the universe that it is empower inherently empowering to the sovereign individual right that's that's the weird part here mm-hmm. yeah. okay that's why um, sorry there's one anything more thing on the lightning network well i would say one more thing too the that's why it's foolish to even try and stop it it's it's the it is a losing effort to try and implement systems which censor. It's a foolish system because there there are always tools that can that can go around it. There is no this is like a restriction of physics. This is like a mathematical restriction that exists in the universe. So any sort of political system that is that is structured around censorship is inherently going to lose. It's because it's just imperfect. Okay. The lightning network. Yeah. The lightning network, I kind of see as like, um, in the near term, the lightning network is really good for micropayments, which is going to create, enable all sorts of different in- online incentive systems. If you can, if you can use a monetary value or financial instrument to, to incentivize behaviors in certain ways and like micro levels, right? So a 10th of a penny type of thing, then, um, yeah, that's, that's important. Okay. I just listened to, I think it was on Peter's podcast, the most recent one guy was, I didn't fully understand it. I need to go back and listen to it or I'm sorry. It was Preston. It was Preston interviewing him. I apologize. Um, Essentially it was like streaming Satoshis for your utility bills. Mm. So he was kind of talking through, did you listen to this yet? I haven't listened to that one now. Essentially he was talking about like you use the energy, but you don't pay for the energy until like a month or sometimes two months after the fact. And you end up paying for that lag because the people, you know, the energy company, they've got to produce the energy, but they've got to wait on the cash flow. Right. Um, So he was essentially saying, uh, I guess his company is kind of imagining, imagining a world where you, instantaneously pay for your energy as you use it by streaming satoshis directly to the utility company therefore and also like actually having a true cost of energy versus like you just live in this local 
you know, jurisdiction and therefore everyone pays this rate. He's like, that's not how energy costs work at all on the input side, at least. And so trying to get it to a true energy cost for every like millisecond and each time you're using energy, just to say in your home, money is coming, micro money is coming out of your, is coming out of your account every second. But to mm-hmm. your point, it might be one, one thousandth of a penny every second. Yeah, that no, that's a big deal because a lot of a lot of Wall Street is effectively arbitraging that cash flow difference, right? Yep. Because someone's can... gonna loan them money and they exactly. make arbitrage in the middle. Yep. Exactly. So that's a big deal. The only caveat with that is that Bitcoin is volatile. Right. And so you can't you can't effectively use it as a unit of account, but but you could price it in do, do the Jack the Jack Mollers yes, yes. That's price correct. it in dollars, use Bitcoin Rails for yes. payment. That is the correct solution. I agree. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Well, what else have we got? Well, we're ten minutes over three o'clock. And we and we we're gonna have to talk to each other. We should make this announcement. We're gonna have to talk to each other for like four or five days straight. <laughs> so no, not all at once is taking a field trip tomorrow morning. So that's right. Where are we going? Looking forward to it. Southwest Florida, baby. Yes. The great state of Florida. Yep. We're gonna free- see if we can get De- DeSantis on the pod. We're freedom rings, baby. Red, white, and blue. <laughs> oh my gosh, dude! I, I we're getting back uh, on election day, and I'm telling you, election day for me is like my birthday. I love election day. Really, I'm gonna be sitting in front of the television, starting at five o'clock on the nose. Wow, watching, and I like to watch Wolf Blitzer. I like okay. Wolf Blitzer. I, that's my guy. And then that other white hair guy that kind of like Anderson on the television. Anderson Cooper? No, no, a different guy. I'm going to forget his name, but if you watch him, he, it's like Wolf Blitzer sitting at the desk. Oh, I know. And then it'll about. span over to that yeah. guy who who's just always like zooming into counties and that's circling right. things. Yeah. I like oh, that too. That is, that is fun. That is fun. I am so excited. We'll we'll see how it all plays out. I don't really care. I just love the excitement. I love I love the gnashing of teeth, whether it's on the left or the right. I just mm, I live for it. So get out and vote on Tuesday because we won't talk to you before then. So that's right. Or you maybe you've already voted. There's 20 million people who've already voted. Do your do your civil service, people. Yes. Vote. All right, cool. Well, we'll leave it there. And yeah, we'll have, we'll be renewed and refreshed next week post our Florida visit. So that's right. All right. That's it. See y'all.